What's up, folks? Welcome to another edition of Matt's Sporthouse. I am your host, Matthew Anderson. We've got a lot to talk about today in sports, specifically for most of our college football in the NFL. So we're going to go ahead and jump right into it. Clemson defeated Boston College with the final score 59-7. The game was 17-0 at the end of the first quarter. It was homecoming in Tiger Town, so everybody was looking to get to the party or just to see homecoming king or queen, you know, just for a good weekend. So the team did deliver with the blowout. Boston College was without the starting quarterback, Anthony Brown, who didn't play because he had a torn ACL and he's out for a year. He's a pretty good quarterback. He trains with Quincy Avery and other, you know, Deshaun Watson quarterback coach, Josh Dobbs. A lot of guys in the NFL, Dwayne Haskins, use him. And their star running back, A.J. Dillon, only was held to 76 yards. So not his best day, but most teams, whenever you come to Clemson, you know you have a tall task ahead of you, especially in homecoming. We're going to stay in the South where South Carolina did indeed lose to the Tennessee Volunteers with the final score of 41 to 21. It's crazy because USC every week is like, oh my gosh, if we lose this game, I don't know what we're going to do. And now the needle has moved again. Now they're losing Tennessee. Everybody's like, oh, we can't lose the Vanderbilt. Can't lose Appalachian State. But it's just like, you just continue to be disappointed. But there were positives in this game. So we're going to talk about those. On the first, on the, I've been saying for the longest that USC needs to get Shot Smith more involved. He's one of the better receivers in the SEC, especially a slot receiver. And on the very first play, he took 75 yards to the house. He actually finished the game with 11 catches for 156 yards. So it's nice to see him really get involved. Because I think before this game, he only had like 200 yards receiving altogether, 200, 300 in that range. Brian Edwards had a great one-handed catch, and now he leads the school in career receptions. I think that one-handed catch would have been on ESPN for a top play that night it's if it would have ended in the end zone but apparently he fell on the one yard line so they were kind of like we're not putting that on there if but it was really good one-handed catch Helensky also threw for over 300 yards for the first time since Alabama so that's good to get him back on track on the other hand though South Carolina's defense made Tennessee quarterback Garitano and JT Shroud as a combination like the second coming Peyton Manning when he was under center at Tennessee uh, there, those two as a combat well, really, Shroud hasn't really gotten in too much, but Garantano hasn't looked very well, very good all season, and it just happened under this South Carolina defensive uh, backfield. He he looked exceptional. He really looked like a pretty good quarterback, and it also seemed like Tennessee wanted a little bit more. Do you tell by the energy? For the first time, I think all season, their fans were like really into the game, even to the point where the recruits were. You know, the recruits are usually over there trying to play it cool, so they're over there clapping and laughing. You can imagine the rest of the stadium is uh, lit up. They won the game in the trenches. They really controlled both sides of them, and because and they made Helensky really uncomfortable in the pocket. And Helensky's not a run first, really like a run second type of quarterback. It's like that's the last option. So he preferred to step up in the pocket. So if you can make him really uncomfortable, you really can do some things against the USC offense. Like I said, they won the game in the trenches, which is surprising because South Carolina have been playing really well, especially on the defensive side with the trenches. And by the end of the game, Helensky was limping, which confirmed he is still hurting. I told y'all this before. I was almost 100% sure on it because recovery time just wasn't making any sense. But yeah, so he's on, so it seems like at the end of every game, he's limping. So I'm sure in the offseason, he'll be able to go get that fixed up. <clears throat> One thing I want to talk about is Helensky's release point isn't very high. Like sometimes you watch, different quarterbacks do it different, so there's no right or wrong way to do it. But Patrick McCombs, you can tell when he releases the ball, even Deshaun Watson. <clears throat> is way above their head, but when Helensky, he releases it kind of low, so if you get a lot of pressure on him as a defensive line, it can really mess things up because you can get easy deflections. So I saw Tennessee do that a couple times. I'm sure their coaches tried to coach that up. If I saw it, I'm sure their coaches saw it. So they coached that up really well, I'm sure, all week, and they definitely were able to perform at the highest level. USC, 
struggle with tackling with the defense, especially in the defensive backs. Uh, I think I saw a linebacker or so not be able to make the tackle, but it really shows. And you can't have, you cannot be playing against these SEC, whether Tennessee's a great team or not. Those are SEC guys, playmakers. They were the elite in high school. They come to college. They didn't lose their eliteness. It's like, so if you do not make the play on them, they will go and score. And we saw that happen. There were some major, although that USC for the most part didn't tackle very well, they did get some huge hits. Like TJ Brunson got one on Garitano as he released it, as Garitano released the pass. Fortunately, and then in the end zone, the receiver got nailed, but unfortunately the play did end up with a touchdown and showed a little bit of toughness for the for the volunteers. And it appears that I believe that the Georgia game was an outlier performance. I think a lot of people thought, okay, this is this team, like this is the team we're finally like we're finally seeing what we can really do. That was outlier performance. I felt like Georgia kind of lost that game, and USC just kind of capitalized on their losses. Because think about it, after Alinsky went out, they didn't really USC didn't really get any offensive, too many offensive yards. I don't think any touchdowns. It was just kind of like just keep maintaining and hope the defense makes plays. So you gotta give defense their credit. But I felt like Georgia kind of lost that game more. So Tory Gurley, as a matter of fact, former Gamecock great, he believed the exact same thing. So he kind of confirmed what I had already believed. And also, one thing I think that's kind of sad is people were considering Tennessee the joke of the SEC East, the SEC, or the SEC East, however you want to say it. And now Carolina went there, and I think this is what the students kind of upset. It's like, you know, we go there and get beat by 20, and it's like, oh, man. Like, it's like they were the joke, so what does that make us? Because it's like it was fun to joke on them. They lose to Georgia State. I think they also lost to BYU. It's like, oh, man, these guys are terrible. And it's like, you go there and get beat by 20. It's like, oh, man. It's, Tough, tough day for the Gamecocks. I'm going to give you some stats from this game. Jerry Garitano went 11. I think as you say his last name. Don't quote me on that. But he's number two. He went 11 for 19 for 220 yards and two touchdowns. And JT Shroud, who's the backup quarterback who came in a little bit, went 7 for 11 for 122 yards and one touchdown. Their, their guy, Juwan Jennings, who's a receiver, a real big guy, um, he, he ran the ball a little bit as a quarterback, and then he was also, like, obviously a receiver. He had a big game. He had seven catches for 174 yards and two touchdowns, and their other receiver, Marquez Callaway, had three receptions for 102 yards and one touchdown. So, as I always say, if you have a quarterback throw for over 200 yards, it really, if he gets to 300, but if he throws for over 200, you have a 100-yard rusher, which they did not. Ty Chandler only had 16 carries for 78 yards. But and then to a one receiver with 100 yards, nevertheless, two you're gonna win that game, and that is exactly what happened. It was just tough to see them the blowout. It was like, oh man, y'all, this, this is bad. It makes you wonder as a program, has South Carolina regressed? Are they getting better? I saw somebody say on Twitter, this is like seeing Jake Bentley as a freshman all over again with like all the promise, but it's like, can we develop it? We're gonna have to see. I'm sure some decisions will be made after the season. We're gonna stay in the South where LSU defeated Auburn with the final score of 23-20. to LSU remains unbeaten. LSU's schedule has been very tough, and they just keep winning. They've beaten Texas, Auburn, Florida, and they still have to play Alabama. They still have to play Ole Miss. They still have to play Arkansas. I know Arkansas is like a really great team, but nevertheless, it's SEC talent. So they just keep winning these games. So I feel like they're the most tested team in the NFL. I mean, they're one of the most tested teams in college football. Burrow had another great day. He did that. His interception, he was kind of like, not because obvious, because he would throw obvious interception. Maybe he didn't see something that, that we were able to see on TV, but it was a, it was a bad interception. But besides that, he went 32 for 42 for 321 yards and one touchdown. 
the running back for LSU, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, I think that's just his last name, had 26 carries for 136 yards and one touchdown. He was really toting the rock and keeping the chains moving on the ground. Jamar Chase, the duo, you know, the duo receivers, Jamar Chase had eight receptions for 123 yards, while Jefferson, the other half of the duo, has seven catches for 60 yards. Clyde Edwards also helped in the passing game, registering seven catches for 51 yards. And with all of that, Auburn was, I don't know how Bo Nix does this, but him and Gus Malzahn, they were in the game at the end. And they almost got that onside kick. And if they would have been able to get that, they probably, and all they needed was a field goal. I don't think they were going to score a touchdown, but that game could have very easily went into overtime. So it was a good. And by the way, their guy punched the ball out. That's a really good job of punching the ball out of the LSU guys' hands and almost recovering it. But they were not able to seal the deal, so they did take the loss. But Auburn is awesome. Although they have some losses this season, they have played very well. They just in the SEC West is so tough. Because just this year, you got Auburn, LSU, Alabama. I guess those are always the teams. But whenever you go play Mississippi State or AM, that is not that is not by any means an easy game. But that's just easier in the SEC West. Most conferences could never. But we're going to move on up north where Ohio State defeated the Wisconsin Badgers with the final score of 38-7. Wisconsin played well in the first quarter. And at the half, the score was only 10 to nothing. So, you know, you could come back from that. But the second half kind of got away from them. Jonathan Taylor, who's one of the best running backs in the country, was limited to just 52 yards, averaging 2.6 yards per carry. Usually he's like in that four to six yards a carry, which is where you want to be as a running back or even above that. But it's a tough day. Ohio State uh, defense is something serious. J.K. Dobbins, on the other hand, Ohio State running back at 20 carries, 163 yards and two touchdowns. I think he's already over 1,000 yards on this season for rushing, so... Great year for him and all the Ohio State Buckeyes keep rolling. I kept telling everybody about that defense in Chase Young. Everybody's kind of on the bandwagon at this point. He had four sacks in this game. I told y'all was a beast. he was a beast early on. Early on, and he's been all over that Wisconsin. He was all over the Wisconsin's quarterback, and just a pain. I felt like every time that guy dropped back, it was like that Chase Young was either around or hitting him. Wisconsin got some shots on Justin Fields, Ohio State quarterback, though as well. I don't think, I don't think Justin Fields had been hit that much all year, and so during this game he was taking a beating out there. But his team came out on top. Sure, rest up, be ready for the next game. Their next big game is going to be against Penn State. Penn State is still undefeated. I'm pretty sure they're the number five team in the country, and that game could determine. Although there is still a Big Ten championship, and Minnesota in the Big Ten is also still undefeated. But I feel like it's going to be either Ohio State or, or Penn State that represent the Big Ten in the college football playoff. We're going to see where that goes. We're going to move a little bit out west, the wild, wild west, where Oklahoma lost to Kansas State. And I hate this for the Big 12 because this probably means the Big 12 will not end up in the college football playoff unless we have some other big matchups, that, uh, well, another, some other defeats where the top teams in the country get knocked off. Oklahoma went up 10 nothing with nine minutes left in the first. So I thought it was going to be another Oklahoma blowout. Typical. Kansas State, but they had a lot of energy. I could tell they really want this game. It was 23-27 Kansas State at the half. And I know y'all wonder, like, what all happened in between there. I can't go into full detail. You're going to have to watch the highlights. But just know, Kansas at the half, it was 23-27 Kansas State was up. And you've seen two trick plays by Oklahoma, one of which was very successful. The second one wasn't, but it, was, it wasn't like a bad play. The wide receiver just dropped the ball and popped in there and in the Kansas State guy intercepted. So it was just like, okay, you know, it's a tight game, but usually, usually Oklahoma comes out on top. CeeDee Lamb definitely did not disappoint in this game. 
CeeDee Lamb is really came along. I was saying before I liked him more than Hollywood Brown. People thought I was absolutely insane, but CeeDee Lamb is a really good receiver. He even was last year. He's from, I'm pretty sure he's from that Texas area, as a matter of fact. He had a, a huge game in this one. He went for five catches for 135 yards. So to put that in perspective, that is 27 yards per catch, and he had one touchdown. So the game wasn't clearly on clearly wasn't on him. He better get the Blenheim Call for award this year. If he doesn't, it should be one of them receivers from Alabama, or maybe even that guy from LSU. One of the one of the guys from the duo from LSU. So I, t- I take that back. Also, Kansas State almost lost that game after being up 25 points because they let Oklahoma recover the onside kick when they well they almost let Oklahoma recover the onside kick when they were down by seven. Because Oklahoma did get it, but because it's illegal touching, therefore the it gave Kansas State the ball to run the clock out. So that was the end of the game. So like I said before, the Big 12 uh, is per, most likely out of the college Bowl playoff. We're going to move to the NFL where the Kansas City Chiefs lost with the final score of 31-24. The Chiefs were able to get... Now, a lot of people have been saying that the Kansas City Chiefs defense is terrible, but they were able to get five sacks on Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers isn't necessarily the easiest quarterback to sack. I mean, he's not Deshaun Watson, but he by no means he's an easy pull-down. Uh, the Chiefs' offense worked without Patrick McCombs, which is a little bit of a surprise to most people. They didn't get the win, but Matt Moore was good enough. And so what it makes you think is, if Patrick Mahomes here, that's a win. Because, you know, Patrick Mahomes is good, at least, with him being the league MVP. He's good enough to, like, get you over the edge. He kind of gets that extra oomph that they need sometimes. Another guy I think that people are talking about, McCole Hardman, but they're not talking about enough, that guy is really good. He fits really well in the scheme that he plays in. With Kansas City, it's like one of the little smaller, fast guys. He went to Georgia. And so I think he'll be good for Kansas City, but I think if he went to another team, he could be looked at more so like a kind of like a Percy Harvin. Maybe that's a stretch, but he's definitely, I feel like on another team with a little bit less talent at receiver, he'd definitely stand out more. Like maybe somebody with the Bears or something like that. Their running back stepped up. The Packers running back stepped up in this game 30 and 33. Aaron Jones rushed for 67 yards and caught seven passes for 159. And Jamal Williams complimented him with a touchdown run. So they have a nice duo there. Duo one-two punch. However you want to say I think we're running back. You just said one-two punch. We're going to talk about my the Browns, who simply disappointed yet again. This is why they always say, like, Jarvis Landry guaranteed to win. He's like, we're going to win. It's that simple. Well, that clearly did not happen. The Patriots kicked off the game by jumping out with a large lead to set the tone early on, holding a 17-0 lead before eventually winning the game 27-13. Freddie Kitchen said one of the most generic coaching statements ever. But it's actually kind of nice for him to, like, enlighten us in what went down. But also, you hear coaches say this all the time. It's like, I said we couldn't do this, 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 and this. And that's exactly what happened. And that's why we lost the game, which was 100% true. Stephon Gilmore held Odell Beckham, uh, who's one of the odds we know, one of the all-time talents, to five receptions for 52 yards. So Odell did not have his best day. He had a drop or two. And you could tell that he was visibly frustrated with Baker Mayfield because sometimes Baker's just not able to get him the ball. Um, it was a mess. The Browns continue to lose. There's a lot of rain and stuff going on there, too, but I guess there's no excuse to that. Baker threw the ball to the defensive lineman. He was trying to pitch it. That's that's why you kind of feel the audible, and I'm sure he didn't see something here because the defensive lineman broke through the line of scrimmage. He tossed the ball forward. The guy catches it. I feel like that's an all-defensive lineman's dream, and that, that, that really, like, if you just showed the highlight, that shows exactly how the games went. 
the Patriots defense just keeps forcing turnovers and they show yet and they show yet again why they're the most dominant defense and some saying one of the more dominant defenses of all time and it's this and it's crazy because besides Dante Hightower and Gilmore and maybe like one or two others I'm not thinking of that defense is a bunch of guys. Like, it's not like a whole bunch of elite standout guys. You can call out their names. It's just a bunch of guys who play really well together. Also, in with, in Patriots territory, I guess we could say in Boston, Gordon will probably be ready to play in one to two weeks, but he will be released most likely from the Patriots whenever he is available to play. So be on the lookout to see who decides to pick him up. Uh, also, we're going, to go to, we're going to go to Houston, where the Oakland Raiders played the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans won with the final score of 27-24. to 24. Clemson University had a huge game. I'm going to tell you why. Trayvon Mullen, who was the, I think it was the second-round pick cornerback out of Clemson, almost had a pick six early on his former teammate, Deshaun Watson. <laughs> what a dodge. Hunter Renfro had a big catch. His first, first touchdown of his career for 65 yards. We all know Hunter Renfro was the walk-on at Clemson, who is basically doing the same in this game he did what he used to do at Clemson big catch running and kind of looking behind him I wonder Hunter does not think he's as fast as we think he is because whenever you see him running he always is looking back most times you see that with bigger guys who aren't very fast but as we understand Hunter Ruffo is very fast very quick and we'll also we're from South Carolina so we've seen him do this for years and years at Clemson DeAndre Hopkins another Clemson grad had a big not sure if he graduated but another Clemson alum DeAndre Hopkins had a big game, 11 catches, 109 yards. Deshaun Watson went 27 for 39 for three touchdowns. Just a great game for Deshaun Watson. The guy got kicked in the face, almost throw down, and still threw a touchdown on the play. Then after the game, they took a pitch with all the Clemson guys, and you can see his eye was kind of closed up a little bit. So the guy who just lives and breathes for football, it's a great day for Clemson. If I was them, I would have this like on the next recruiting day. I'd have this video playing all around the facility just so people can be like, okay, so this is what Clemson can do for you. You can come here, you look at an NFL game, and it's like nothing but Clemson players making big plays. This is excellent for recruiting. Dad, we can thank you later. Also, another guy who played a really good game was Darren Fells, who's a tight end. He had six catches, two of which were touchdowns, and the ones that weren't touchdowns were huge catches. Had a big game for the Houston Texans. And for a while there, the tight end position was their weakness and it seems to be like now Darren has really made a name for himself being one of the better tight ends in that division I don't know about the league but definitely the division we're gonna stay at home where the Panthers well we're talking about a lot of home players so we're gonna stay like in the, now the Carolinas where the Carolina Panthers lost to the 49ers with the final score of 13 to 51 from what I understand Emmanuel Sanders had a touchdown yesterday it's, and also, I was looking at this game, and it's funny that if they, the 49ers love Richard Sherman now, but at one point in time, they hated him because he was the Seahawks cornerback that just couldn't stop talking. But now, he's balling out and before them, and they're undefeated. They have a really great defense. I would like to say that the 49ers defense is back to once they once were, just with different players. Back then, it was the Patrick Willis's. I want to say Mark Barron, but I'm not 100% sure. You had Navarro Bowman, Alden Smith. You had a lot of top Chris Culliver, those guys. But now, it's a different group. But they're very, they're elite. And like I said, they're the only other one. They're one of the two undefeated teams still in the NFL. And the NFL is not easy to go undefeated. So, shout out to them for beating the Panthers. I'm still kind of skeptical whenever Cam's ready to play. Will he be able to hop straight back in? Or are they going to try to 
through a little bit with that quarterback Kyle Allen they have now. Because Kyle Allen has been playing well, but it's tough to play the 49ers defense. That defensive line gets after you. They have pretty good guys on the back end. Debo Samuel also played in this game. Played pretty well. In the NBA, we're going to switch to the NBA. And then that's all I got for you. Kyrie Irving plays for the Brooklyn Nets. Had a huge shot against the Knicks to pretty much end the game. It just happened to be over the rookie R.J. Barrett. And you kind of got to take it to there was the kids that play in the and he's from New Jersey. He was actually born in Australia. Most of you don't know that, but he's raised in New Jersey. So as a New Jersey kid, you're playing in the parks to hope that you one day play for the Knicks. At that time, I think with the New Jersey Nets, you play against them, you hit the game winning shot. Well, so Kyrie Irving pretty much got to live out that dream, being able to do that. And then it's like I'm doing this for my city. It's a great thing. I think this is kind of part of the reason why he went back to New York. He wanted to be kind of back where he's from. So there's nothing better to do that where you're from. Probably not even too far from where you actually like used to be out in the parks. Maybe an old high school gym. So, great to see for Kyrie Irving. He seems happy. I don't think the, the Brooklyn, the, apparently Brooklyn's facility, the Barclays Arena, is state-of-the-art. I'm pretty sure that that team is owned by Chinese people from China. Pretty sure. So, that's kind of cool. As you know, so the people from China look at the NBA a little bit differently than we do as Americans. I think they even said that more people root for basketball in China. I was listening to All the Smoke. And more people root for basketball in China than we have people in America all together. So that's kind of cool. But to tie it all back in together, the Brooklyn Nets, great organization. Whenever Kevin Durant gets back, they're really going to be a force to be reckoned with right now. They're kind of on the backs of Kyrie. They're a good organization. They just won't be great, like I said, to Kevin Durant gets back. But yeah, so check out if you ever want to hear about that told the Chinese thing, how that, there are problems with the NBA right now, and just the ownership of how Chinese basketball, now how basketball and China are kind of coming together. Check out all the smoke with Steven Jackson. But yeah, that's all I have for this week's episode of Matt's Sporthouse. Um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, hit me up on Twitter at Matt Sporthouse. It's literally the exact same thing, Matt Sporthouse. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening.